Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to Blazers for Goalposts. Today, as ever, I am joined by my trusty co-host, Joe, who will be introducing today's special guest in just a bit. On that note, if you're a fan of football, The Sims, and Microsoft Excel, then you've picked a brilliant episode to listen to, as today we're essentially going to be discussing what it would be like to live in the overlapping middle section of that theoretical Venn diagram. But before I get ahead of myself, returning to the podcast is our good friend Billy, who last joined us when we were chatting with Tamika Makandawire, so it's been a little while. Billy, how are you doing? Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm feeling uh, particularly refreshed. I went to a non-league match last night, went to Wingate and Finchley against Corinthian Casuals. So that's my first football match since January. So yeah, that made me feel a bit normal and I really enjoyed it. 4-1 win for Wingate. Lovely stuff. Uh, Otherwise, Joe, my co-host, is of course on this call too, as I mentioned, and his beloved Tottenham Hotspurs are going to be playing Linzer ASK in the Europa League tomorrow night. So fans of Bake Off will know that the city of Linz is the birthplace of the Linzer Tort, a famous Austrian pastry. Joe, have you had any good pastries recently? Or speaking of Tottenham, even maybe some lasagna? <laughs> Very funny, Kai. Hello, everyone. Um, no, sadly, I haven't had any pastries recently or lasagna, um, come to think about it. But I have a feeling, now you've mentioned that, tomorrow um, I might have to get something pastry-related um, for breakfast. We'll see. We'll see how we're feeling when I wake up tomorrow. Um, but away from food... And over to our guest, um, Tony Jameson is a comedian who has a special place in the hearts of football fans, thanks to his show, Football Manager Ruined My Life. He's also got a podcast of his own, dedicated to the legendary game itself, among other things. Tony, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Very well, thank you, fellas. It's lovely to be here. I just appreciate the uh, the invite. Um, so yeah, just nice to sort of come and sit and have a bit of a chat. To be honest, looking forward to it. Oh, we're looking forward to it too, Tony. And then we've actually um, we've noticed that sometimes you post wrestling themed content on your Twitter page. So um, we had a bit of a look and we realised that a few footballers have made the transition from the pitch into the ring. And some of those names include Grant Holt. Tim Weiser, the German goalie, and it sounds like Adebayo Akinfenwa might be joining them fairly soon. However, we wanted to ask you, um, currently in the world of football, who do you think would make a great wrestler for one reason or another? Hmm. Um, it's quite a decent question, that one, to be honest, because you've got so many different styles, haven't you? You either want to go with your, your stereotypical big lad, who, you know, as you say, your Tim Weisers, your... Um, you're uh, there's the goalkeeper from I'm sure he's like a Manchester-based goalkeeper crew or something went went to NXT for a little bit and he got released. Um, so I think you maybe put like someone like Kakaniklich uh, or whatever could be quite quite decent. But then you also you also got someone like Grealish would be like quite a uh, you know again he's got that look. So it depends <laughs> upon upon sort of like what sort of style of character you're going for. So if we're going to go for like someone who's a bit sort of I don't know um, drip Maverick style, then yeah, we'll go with Grealish. My man. Nice. And what what do you think Grealish's like finishing move or like walkout music would be if you had to had to pin uh, something? I would imagine he'd probably walk out to um, to Shawn Michaels' uh, music, which has dated terribly uh, from the from the uh, from the eighties and nineties. And his finishing move would probably just be uh, probably something called like the Twinkle Toes or something. They just leave his <laughs> opponent a little bit dazzled. A back heel from hell, maybe. <laughs> I could just imagine getting his tiny shin pads out, just smacking people with them uh, as well. Yeah, absolutely. But, but Billy, um, how about you? Which footballer do you reckon could make a good wrestler? 
for me, it would probably have to be uh, Adriano, the former Inter Milan Brazil striker. Yeah, he was always a big boy, even in his playing days, and he's an even bigger boy now. And he was last seen uh, sort of hanging around the favelas in Rio with a bunch of gangsters. So I reckon he's uh, he could handle himself. God, yeah, that's, that that would be quite the place to bump into Adriano. Um, Kai, how about you? Are you are you going to go for a sort of big lad, or have you got something else up your sleeve for a, a footballer turned wrestler? I guess going off of Adriano, who I think maybe a few of us saw those images of it. Is it him just like holding a machine gun or something like that with some gangsters? Yeah, Billy knows what I'm talking about. But otherwise, on like big lefties being left-footed players like Adriano, George Elakobi was a unit. He could probably knock someone out. But otherwise. I like a heel, a bit of a baddie. So maybe like Joey Barton and then just sort of like low blows, poking people in the eyes and stuff, anything but actual wrestling. And then they always have those managers. So like The Undertaker had Paul Bear, Brock Lesnar had Paul Heyman. I think maybe Mike Ashley in his corner, just whipping up the crowd. And, you know, like you couldn't hate a duo more than Barton and Ashley, essentially. I think um, the WWE are missing out. I've, I've, got, I've got one that you'd probably hate more. Diego Simeone and Diego Costa. Ooh. Oh wow, that would. Be... <laughs> yeah, El Cholo Simeone. That would be um, that would be wild. Costa as well. Like he genuinely, I wouldn't put it past him to be successful in the WWE. Realistically, yeah, that'd be all right. I'd I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. Moving on to some more personal questions for you, Tony. I see that up until 2012, you were working as a college lecturer. So can you tell us a little bit more about that chapter of your life and then also maybe what your favorite and least favorite parts of the job were? Yeah, so basically I finished university um, 2003. I did uh, media production, film and TV, um, did master's degree in that. Um, didn't quite really know what I was going to do with myself. I did a couple of bits of film work and, and TV stuff. Um, looking for someone with a bit sort of more permanent income. Um, fell into lecturing, to be honest, just fell into it. I had no passion to do it. I had no drive, I had no thoughts that that was going to happen. And then sort of worked around a few different colleges and universities and stuff. And eventually, I think someone worked out that I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> in 2012, we uh, I'd already started comedy by that point. I've been going for a couple of years. Um, and then they were going through a round of redundancies. And I was like, look, you know what? I'll, I'll take the money and go, thanks. Like, <laughs> there's guys here actually want to be doing this. So I'll go and do comedy. Uh, it was kind of a good point. Like, comedy was going quite well for me. So I thought, take that extra bit of money, go and do do comedy. And um, yeah, like, as I say, like, people who can do it, awesome. And, and it was great fun. Like, met like, loads of really cool people. And, like and, and you know, genuinely inspiring to see sort of younger people coming through who just can do stuff that like your brain just can't comprehend like they're thinking about things so differently um we used to have like a thing where we said like anyone who, who could skateboard or was in a band like just they instantly came with an eye that we didn't really have to like they already had the raw talent so it's just a case of us sort of finding a bit of sort of funneling for them and uh and sort of saying look you know well if you thought about shooting like this or if you thought about watching this sort of content and and, and uh, so that was really, really good. Um, and then just seeing people who come in with like literally no experience whatsoever and then finishing the course like really rounded and like sort of going, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Man. That's like, some great growth from like someone who's not done anything like favorite films, The Lion King. And like then you get to, you know, the end of your course and you're shooting like really great stuff. So 
yeah, that was like, as I say, people who do it, teachers and that, big hats off to you, like massive respect. But yeah, it's um, it's behind me now. <laughs> well, I guess you, you said it's behind you, but I'll just dwell on it for one more moment. And as yeah, somebody personally who who had his fair share of dreary lecturers in college, I'd compare my academic success to the success of that Liverpool side that played under Roy Hodgson, for instance. If only my lecturers and professors had been a bit more like Klopp, maybe I would have been more enthused. So going off of that, and if we're comparing lecturers to managers, which I just did, how would you have rated Tony Jameson, the lecturer's mental attributes? Oh, yeah. I reckon that if I was being brutally honest, I'm probably someone like Gus Poirier, who on the face of it seems quite an appealing prospect and a pre- quite an appealing sort of proposition. But then when you get in, you go, there's not really much there. Like, <laughs> I think that there's a little bit flattering to deceive for a bit. And then sort of there'll be other, like other students will be going like, oh, I don't really want a Steve Bruce or a Alex McLeish, but really, they'd probably learn more than they did in my <laughs> sessions. So, um, but what, what I did find, I did sort of attribute the, um, the sort of the, this, this, the teaching element and then lecturing. Was, was very good grounding for, for stand-up um, in the fact that, you know, with stand-up, all I had to do was stand on stage for 5, 10, 20 minutes or whatever. Um, and if no one was listening, that was fine. Uh, but then, of course, in an education environment, if you're there for the full day and no one's listening, that's, that's not really ideal. Um, but, you know, it was a, it is what it is. But as I say, I think style over substance, I would probably class myself as. At least it was some style and not just no style or substance. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I would have loved to have been to have been the academic Tony Pulis. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> it's like long ball lectures. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like go, go to the library. That's all I've done. <laughs> oh, well, Tony, um, obviously we've spoken a bit about your days as a lecturer, but obviously you are these days a stand-up comedian, but I know you also um, do act as an MC as well. So I was interested... Do you feel just as comfortable for performing both of those roles or do you find one perhaps more challenging than the other? Um, I think I wouldn't necessarily say challenging. Um, I think they both have a very a, a sort of similar and different skill sets at the same time. So I would probably say that emceeing or, or hosting of a show is probably more me. Um, I'm a bit more myself straight off the bat, uh, which was a skill I really had to learn. Because um, when I started doing stand-up, I, I sort of fell into the, the trap, like I, I presume most people do, was you go on stage and you think you have a persona of this is Tony the comedian, this is Tony the lecturer, this is Tony who's just uh, having a pint or whatever, or this is Tony who's on a podcast. Like, And then when I went on stage and I started comparing and, and emceeing, I was like, eventually I started to just become Tony. So I'd just go on and be, just be myself, really. And I found that so much easier than even now doing like shows or whatever, like an hour long show, I still think there's an element of me playing a role uh, as Tony the comedian or Tony the, the entertainer at this point. Um, and I think that's probably difficult to, to sort of step away from. So I think that, yeah, you probably get more of myself as a host or as a compare or as an MC, uh, but then as an act, again, like in a show environment, I'm, I'm very much myself. But I think if in a 20 minute weekend setting of, stag do's hen do's office parties whatever like you just got to turn up do your job and and get it done so you maybe do put a little bit of a right it's short time let's go to work and you know tony the comedian turns up and if you know audiences are doing whatever audiences do and tony has to do his thing then that's then you know that's fine and you almost like i say become a bit of a, a sort of a, a character of yourself or a, a third third person sort of you know so it's um yeah i think mc is probably a bit more natural 
to most because again it's, it's i'm a bit freer like I'll, I'll just go on stage and i'll not tend to really have anything in my head and i i work a lot off the audience and like sort of chat away and whatever response we get we can work some stuff around that so i like being really fluid there whereas with a set i kind of go right i'll go roughly what i want to talk about and we'll get to where we get to um so again it's still quite loose but nowhere near as loose as as, as host and where you can sort of take the show where you want it to go really I think even probably the three of us have learned from doing this podcast, taking those steps of falling back into yourself naturally after coming out the gates, maybe too strong with, um, yeah, too many ideas overthinking it. I'm just glad that there's still a likes of, yeah, I guess yourself in the entertainment industry. And even more recently, that makes me think of someone like Patrice Evra, who clearly just doesn't care at all. And is just happy to be himself on the football pitch in the sky studio. Oh, hundred percent. Like, and, and, and the thing is there's even I'm swapping going what now, like 12, nearly 13 years or whatever and there's still I would still love to be able to just not care at all about what anyone thinks and there's quite a bit of the time that I'm like that but there is that performer anxiety in you that's like you'll send a tweet or whatever or you'll put a video up online or a podcast and you'll be like oh someone's gonna hate this and let's like and you'll get like you'll get loads of like likes or interaction all you'll do is you'll focus on that one negative which is probably not even a negative like like, like, I mean, bits like I started um, the content creation for, for football manager stuff and like the, the football manager room, my life shows on there. And that's like a show that I was, I was really proud of. Like, you know, it sort of quote unquote made me for want of a better phrase, um, or at least sort of made me available to, to some people to as someone who people might know. And, and like that's on there and that's great. And that's got like a lot of comments and that and a lot of likes. And then all the, the new content creation stuff, which I'm learning, you know, as you guys will know yourselves when you start your podcast, like the first few episodes, you really get in, into the string of it. And you look back on those early episodes and you cringe. And you're like, oh, God, I can't believe these are out on the Internet. Like they're all like they've all got like 100 percent likes. The stand up has dislikes. And I'm sitting there going, what more do you want from me? Like what more? <laughs> so I'm going to delete it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just I was just thinking you know, about all the millions of people that play football manager and all the all the stick they get from their family, their partners. And if I ever said to my mum, you know, mum, I'm playing this game, I'm putting thousands of hours into it because one day I'm gonna get a comedy show and I'm gonna have a successful career because of this, they would probably laugh at me. So I wondered at what point did you realise that there was something in your love of football manager for you to make it more than just about playing a game for you when did you realize that you could make money off it be successful and that you had a story to share with others so yes i think the story is is a really good good sort of phrase to to look at really so um the stand-up stuff really bore out of um so the show is i so see yeah, let's go long form first so the show is um basically built around my blood spartan save where we went from Blue Square North to winning the Champions League. So I really glossed over all of that and condensed into this little five-minute piece of stand-up, which, as we said before, like in a stand-up environment of office parties, stag do's, hen do's, like it's not really the place for material about football manager. But because of the fact that football manager kind of trans transcends not just football, it, it's it's popular culture. Like you, you can say to most people, Freddie Adu, and most people would know who Freddie Adu is. They would know nothing else, but they've got a football manager or championship manager, whatever it was he's called. Um, and so there's a bit of reference. And of course, football's, you know, people know what it is. Um, and so I managed to sort of do this, this little bit. 
um, in comedy clubs and it, and it seemed to work fine. And I don't know how I was getting away with it, but you know, it worked fine. Um, and then, so I kept sort of doing it and doing it and doing it. And then um, I'll apologize for, for a name drop, uh, but it, it's sort of part of the story. So um, I got invited to do some, some warm up shows for Kevin Bridges and went up there, did those. He's a big football manager player as well. So did the, did the bit at the warm up show. And he said, oh, look, you know, you want to get in touch with these guys uh, over at Backpage Press. They're writing a book called Football Manager Store My Life. So I was like, right, okay, cool. He goes, yeah, just, just you know, give them the story, like the Blythe Spartans bit, see if it gets in the book, you know, go from there. I was like, all right, cool. So I did that, got in the book, um, just didn't really think much else of it. Um, and then a chance email from someone who was booking a games event that Miles was speaking at, uh, Miles Jacobson, who's obviously in charge of Sports Interactive. So he was up in the Northeast. So this uh, person was booking this event. So Miles is speaking. Do you want to come and have a watch? I was like, all right, cool. So I went down, had a bit of chat with Miles and that. And he was, oh, you're the comedian. I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, he says, oh, so what's the plan with this with this bit then? And I panicked a little bit and just went, I might do a show. And he was like, okay, cool. Like, do it. Let us know when you're doing it. We'll sort of help plug it or whatever. Um, and that was kind of it, really. And and at that point, I then started to go, am I going to write an hour show about Football Manager? Like, this is going to die horrendously. Like, because we were taking it up to the Edinburgh Fringe. And, you know, again, I don't know if you guys have been to the Fringe or whatever, but it's like, you know, it's you know, it's just like a, a meat market up there. Like, loads and loads of comedians all vying for audiences and stuff. And if you're going up as an unknown, which, you know, I was at the time and still would be even now, like, you needed to stand out. And I thought, well... At least football manager, you know, people will know the title and it doesn't really matter who's performing it. So my name was relevant. Um, and I chatted to, to you know, my wife and stuff and saying, look, you know, what do you reckon? I said, this, this show, we can do it. And she's like, well, look, book a couple of warm-ups in or something, write the show, try it out, see what happens. So we booked one in Leicester, we booked one in Glasgow, sold them both out in 24 hours, sold the one out in London in 24 hours. And it was like, I think we've got something here. So went along, did the show. And as you say, the audience was people who fully got on board where we're going with. Um, we referred to it as a support group rather than as a stand-up show. And again, like going back to what I would talk about with being an MC or, or being a comedian, like when you talk to the audience in a comedy show, most audience members think you're going to take the piss out of them. Whereas in this show, I was very much a case of no one's getting the piss taken out of them. We're all on the same level. Your job, if I talk to you, I will make you a hero essentially so like it was all about finding out other people's stories finding and people were so like wanted to talk about their safe games and like I, I mentioned this in the actual show there's a guy who sort of goes about um I said oh what do you do for a living he goes oh I'm the Ajax manager and in that moment of course you are you're, you're 100% the Ajax manager <laughs> like yes why wouldn't you be but in a, in in any other environment that's that's a ridiculous answer but in that environment, he became like the whole room just erupted. Um, and, and from there, we just kept going and like it ended up going to the fringe and we, we sold the run out, which was again like stupid. And then we started putting more vent more shows on, and then like the, the, we got a tour out of the back of it, and then the tour just kept getting extended, 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 and then we went back to Edinburgh again with a second sort of revisit, like a data update. So we sort of rewrote quite a lot of it so there's like another like brand new 45 minutes or whatever of the show so 
the second half of the tour became like this 90 minute two hour show which was just like it's just great man like really really cool just getting out and because there's no way I should have been touring at that point like off my own back but to find a show that people resonated with and and got on board it's just just really really great really really great I've seen it personally on YouTube at least and I was like basically non-stop laughing well great stuff thank you no, it's brilliant. I remember, I think that IX manager moment rings a bell. Is that, did that make it onto the one that you've got up there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, yeah I feel yeah, like I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And like you said, that yeah. guy was just like proud as can be. I, I think the support yeah. group term you use is quite funny. Yeah, we did. Um, I think it was, I'm sure it was Swindon, um, where we we're just about to go. We we're about to like, open, the, like, open the, the, the doors and stuff and get everyone in. And the, uh, the stage manager came to me. She went, uh, she went, just let you know, there's like, there's 120 blokes. In, in the uh, in the lobby, I was like, yeah, yeah, there will be. She's like, there's no, there's no women. I was like, I doubt there would be, to be honest. <laughs> unless, unless they've been dragged along, like we, it was, it was ninety nine point nine percent male audiences. Um, but then again, we, we did get quite a lot of females would come across as well. And again, like there because oh, this is you know the game he plays. Or and then again, a lot of female players who obviously turned up and and, and had fun as well. So. So yeah, it was just it was just fun. That's all it was, and I think because I was having fun, the audience had fun, and it just made it so much easier, you know. Now, so when you're saying there about you know when you start off playing the game at first and going, oh, this will be, uh, I'm just playing football manager. Now it's like I have to say it to the wife, like I'm I'm doing work. She's like, you're playing football manager. I'm like, I'm doing work. Like this is genuinely something I have to do now. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of guys who are jealous of the fact that you can actually legitimately say that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And you know what? Like, I, I am so grateful of the opportunity that this that this game has, has allowed me to have. So, um, yeah, any chance I get to now say that this is this is a job um, or this is work is, is uh, it's kind of like, yeah, it's not really work, is it? But, you know, it allows you a few opportunities, which is, which is great. So we've got a little game coming up next. And how it's going to work is there's going to be five trivia questions. They're all football manager related, obviously. And how it's going to work is if you get whoever gets the question right, they get a crack at a follow-up question where you have to guess whether the player is a real-life player or a regen player from a football manager save. Ooh, well, I like that twist. I like that twist. <laughs> So all the questions are football manager themed. Lovely. If you think you know the answer, we'll go shout out, shall we? I think shout, yeah. yeah. We'll shout out. I'll go with question one. One of my favourite football manager players of all time is Freddie Guarin. When I could get a work permit for him, which country is he from? Colombia. Colombia. <laughs> I think that was Kai Tal first. Yeah. I think Kai got him first with Freddie Guarin, famous defensive midfielder with a cracking long shot when you could get a work permit for him. The first player on my list is Teddy Sharman Lowe. <laughs> Teddy Sharman Lowe. That just reminds me of the toilet paper, the Sharman to- toilet paper, because doesn't it doesn't have like, actual teddies on it. 
It sounds like if Teddy Sheringham was on um, Pro Evolution Soccer, that's what they call it. <laughs> <Teddy Sheringham. Yeah. laughs> um, okay, I think I'm going to have to go for a... I'm going to go for a regen, yeah. He's a real player. He's a, Chelsea, he's a Chelsea youngster currently on loan at Burton Albion. Okay. So there's, <laughs> no, there's one that's to watch. not true. All, all Chelsea youngsters are on loan at VTS Arnhem. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, zero points for no, but for everyone so far, I guess. Oh, you got the first, you got you got one point there, Kai, for the first. Oh, question. okay, it's like doubling up. You got, yeah. Okay, question two: the Guinness World Record for the longest game on Football Manager is held by Sepp Hedel from Germany. How many seasons did he complete in his game? We can have a closest gets the point. Uh, one hundred and fifty. One hundred and fifty for Kai, Joe. One hundred and twenty. 120, Tony. Well, I'm going to go low. I'm going to 102. Well, you're all miles off, I'm afraid. So, but Kaitel is the closest. Oh, the no. correct answer was 333 seasons. What the hell? Question is, did he go on holiday for any of that time, or did he just? Oh yeah, hang on holiday. So, so on the on the in the Guinness Book of Records, there is actually uh, like a stipulation, a uh, condition to the record where you can only go on holiday for five percent of the game time uh but he said that he wasn't going to take any holiday so he played the whole way through for 333 years and he only actually managed three clubs in that time as well which makes it even weirder was it weird um, they managed can your manager die on football manager or no, are you, or, no. so he was just like a 350 year old man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, 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 get, you can get to a hundred and you just stop aging, so you, you become, oh. become immortal. This sounds this is like yeah. World of Warcraft. Okay. Does it say how long it took him to do that? Because that's that's just like seriously impressive. It said uh, one thousand nine hundred forty hours of gameplay, so around so over eighty full days. I thought it would have taken a bit longer, to be honest. Two and a half months of just solid football. Mm. <laughs> With only playing football manager, literally yeah. only playing football manager. All right. Well, let's hear the <laughs> let's hear the name then. Oh yeah, sorry. Juliano uh, <laughs> Estevez. Uh, it sounds like a South American region. That's correct. There. All right. Two points for you there. He's another region. Okay, this one's one of my favourite football manager trivia questions. I remember hearing about it a long time ago. But it doesn't seem to exist on the internet because I think it happened before the internet went big. <laughs> but Tony Blair once turned up late to a press conference. Upon arriving, he joked that he was late because he was playing football manager. Which team did he say he was playing as? Newcastle. I can give you a I can give you a hint. Or I'll just There's go for Crystal Palace. What's a shell? Nope, not Palace. So this town, this might be a bit close to home for you, Tony, actually. This town elected its club mascot as mayor in the early 2000s. <laughs> okay, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> Go right. on, Tony, what is it? Hartlepool. It is Hartlepool. It is Hartlepool. He, he did turn up at a press conference and joked. I think it was on April Fool's Day. Um, yeah. he, t he turned up late. Saying. The mayor, the mayor was the mayor's called there. Uh, well, the mascot is called Hangus the monkey as well. Hangus. <laughs> so your regen or real player is Joel Castro Pereira. Ooh, I'm gonna go regen Paraguayan. <laughs> 
No, he's he's a he's a youngster on loan at Huddersfield from Manchester United. Oh, okay. So oh. could be could be coming to a save near you soon. Moving on to the next question. A well-known name that we've already spoken about today is Freddie Adu. If you've never signed him on Football Manager, it could be argued you've never really played the game. He recently signed for a new club. Austersons? Can you name that club? Oh, All right. Um, generic Swedish team. Yeah. Swedish, Swedish Division 1, aren't they? Uh, it wasn't Austersson? No, it's, it's very similar to that. Svetskins? Svetskin or something? Or Svetskins? I mean, oh, at the minute, God. all we're doing is just saying a lot of things that might Sounds sound Swedish. Swedish. Ikea, <laughs> Ikea FC. Uh, okay, you were so close. It's Osterlund, not Osterlund. 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 Oh. Maybe, Osterlund. Maybe as I'm out in front at the minute, we'll just... No no points for anybody, maybe. We can go, we can go no points on that. No points on that round. That was a tricky, that was a tricky one, but I saw it pop yeah, up. Testing our Swedish club like football knowledge. Yeah. Do you still follow these... These players, long after their uh, football manager career is done, failed, failed that one, lads. But yeah. we move on. This is a nice one. Phil and James' young husband came through the youth the Philippines. academy at Chelsea. The Philippines is the answer. To the Philippines. Have you, I haven't read the question yet. Yeah, but they're from the Philippines, and that's so, that's like the only unique thing about them. But anyway, <laughs> carry on, Billy. Carry on. <laughs> well, is it, let me, yeah, I'll finish. I'll finish the question. But it was the rumor was that they, when they were coming through at Chelsea. No one actually knew they were Philippines, and someone told the Filipino FA about these two youngsters that were coming through at Chelsea because on their football manager profile, they were listed as having another nationality, and that other nationality was Filipino. And they both ended up going on to get over 100 caps for the Philippines. And one of the brothers is the Philippines' all-time leading goal scorer. And the rumour was that it all came about after someone was playing football manager. And nice. up the Filipino FA. Was I right? There's, there's loads of... <laughs> yeah, you were right. The question was, which country are they from? <laughs> it's a nice one. I, I, I'm i sure there's loads of stories like that out there. I mean, yeah, maybe. What was it? We were talking about Stephen Ireland the other day and his like qualifying to be Irish through his many yeah, grandmothers or something like that. But yeah, I guess <laughs> there's some mystery nationalities floating around. There's a story of um, Ashley Williams, how he started to play for Wales, because one of the scouts was at a game he was playing at watching one of his um, teammates. And he was just talking to him after the game. And the scout joked, oh, your surname's Williams. You must have some Welsh in you. And Ashley Williams had no idea. And then, what, 60, 70 caps later, <laughs> he's, that, he's, that's, he's a, that's a top quality scout Wales. right there, isn't it? That, that's a five-star <laughs> scout. Just, oh, you, can't yeah. coach, you can't coach that. And our last one, we've got Tyrese John Jules. Oh, you can't give me that. <laughs> he literally plays for Arsenal, the team that I have. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I've got him signed at my uh, Kaiserslautern game at the minute. He's decent. He's decent. Yeah. yeah. He's not bad. Him and uh, Balogun uh, from Arsenal's yeah. team as forwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I've well, I've got Balogun at, Phil- at Philadelphia Union. So I was going to say, is he registered to the United States on your game or is he? Or is he English? Yeah, so he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Billy, do you need uh, to crunch some numbers and tell us the winner? <laughs> you're, the, you're the standout winner in that round, Kai. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry that uh, I underestimated everyone else's knowledge. I've never heard of Tyrese John Jules, and I, I assumed that no one else would have either. But he's on loan at Doncaster from Arsenal right now. Is he related to Danny? He must be. 
Danny John Jules. Yeah, the actor from Red <laughs> Dwarf. And... Yes, yes, he is actually. Okay. I'm sure that's his uncle or something, maybe. That would, yeah, that, I mean, that would have to make sense. <laughs> well done for winning that round, Kai. Cheers. Okay, well, um, time to continue. Well, to, let's just keep talking about the great game, Football Manager. And um, Tony, I know um, you've more or less played every Football Manager game going, or, or I'm assuming you have played every Football Manager game going. But as the, um, as the years go by, the game obviously continues to evolve to the point where the most recent games are actually well, very different in many ways to some of the more original ones. So I was keen to know... Have you enjoyed the evolution of the game or are you still at heart a fan of some of the earlier editions? And for example, will you still play your games with the 2D dots on the screens or, or are you more of a, a 3D guy these days? Um, so I think that they, I've, I've been quite fortunate that, that I have, as you say, sort of really enjoyed the full journey. So going from the sort of first incarnations up to where we are now and, to be honest, I, I think as the games evolve, like it's sort of tied in with, with how I view football and, and how I look at the football and how I would want the game to work. And so everything that I want to now do on the game, I now can do on the game. Whereas when I was younger, I just wanted to get in and get a couple of games done and some seasons done and, and win a trophy and move on. Whereas now I'm a bit more sort of methodical about stuff. I want to really sort of think about the tactics. I want to work out about whether you know it's worth pressuring on a, on a left-footed uh, right back or whatever, and sort of go, you know, and I want to sort of have a little look at all this sort of stuff. So, as the game evolves, I'm, I'm getting more and more into it, and with some of the new features that's announced in 21, it's kind of like relit that fire a little bit. Like I've really enjoyed FM20. I think it's a great version, to be honest. Out, out of the games that they've made, I think 20 is a very very good one, um, and 21 looks very very exciting as well. Especially the fact they've made it during a pandemic, which like is just you know hats off to, to the guys for for everything they've done. Like in terms of going back and playing older versions, um, not so much to be honest. Like I've I've had a little bit of a go on on um sort of uh, football, so well champ manager ninety three ninety four. Uh, there's like an online browser version which you can you can play, which is fine. Like you know a bit of nostalgia and that there. And then the Blind Spartans game on which was on FM ten is uh, actually in a, on a laptop in a chest of drawers, which is sort of kept out of the way, um, just in case that ever needs to come back out. So that's uh, out of the way there. Um, but yeah, like things like FM7, FM10, like Boat Channel Manager 102, like I, I, I've not gone back to them because there's almost like sort of partly that they were of their time and, and I don't want to go back and like ruin memories of it. Like you'll watch like sort of TV shows or films that like, and look back and go, oh, they were brilliant at the time. And then you go back and rewatch, and you're like, that's a lot of rubbish, isn't it? But or there's just stuff you can't do on them. So I want to kind of leave them where they are. Um, and then yeah, I think now because I can do so much more on on these new ones, I, I just I'll I'll just just keep going forward. Never look back. They say never look back. Now that makes sense. But what about? Oh, I'm still keen to know about the two D dots versus the three D. Oh. Setting. Yeah, I've always, so, personally, I've always preferred the 2D setting. I don't know why. I just can't get behind the, the sort of Subutio style um, 3D thing going on. Yeah, I, I guess that's interesting, you know, because, like, again, I was talking to, to Matt on, on our podcast about this, and we were like, he he's a dot. He's a 2D dot guy. 
Um, but I've been playing 3D and I mean, I only play on a, on, a, on a laptop like a MacBook Pro, so I shouldn't really be doing that. I should really be playing with the dots, but it's just something about it because of the fact that you could. I was yeah. like, yeah, we'll watch it in 3D. Like, yeah, it's going to be a bit slow and like my laptop's going to sound like a jet engine, but, you know, <laughs> let's, let's just do it. Like, it was never about the graphics, I think. So again, is the thing as well, like some games are you're swayed in by, oh my God, it looks amazing. Like, you know, you call duties, you GTAs, like, you know, a Fable or whatever, or like, you know, the, like stuff that's just, like um, a fallout, like it just looks mint. And you saw like, this looks brilliant. It's really pushing like where you go with games. Whereas this was always about, it's just going to be really addictive. Like it's just gonna be really addictive. And, and if you break it down, it's just a spreadsheet. Like, and all the graphics are a bonus. So, so yeah. So I think for me, the 3D engine is just a little bonus. So I'll watch it just because I now can. But you're right. Yeah, probably should go back to 2D to be honest. When, when you're losing an, an important game, do you make it show the whole match um, rather than just the key points, just thinking that it's going to give you more of a chance to get back into the game? No, I can't. I can't. I just, I'll let it do its thing. Uh, the only the only superstition I've got uh, is that the, uh, the mouse has to be in the bottom left corner throughout the whole game unless I'm busy clicking something the, the mouse has to be in the bottom left corner and then that has been since day one like literally every single version the mouse cursor always goes in there so maybe I, maybe that's my little superstition <laughs> so on the on the new game you, you said you're really looking forward to it is there anything in particular you're really looking forward to on the new game any new features you've read about or anything you've read about and you're a bit unsure on how that might work um I think the oh, I suppose the big the elephant in the room is the um, is, is is COVID. Um, you know, fair play to them for for addressing it. I know that they weren't particularly keen to. Um, I'm glad that they've not that it's not in as an injury. I think that's the main thing that the players can't get it. Uh, I like the fact they've addressed that people have modded the game, that people can get it in terms of if you download a patch or whatever, and, and people get it as injuries. I like the fact they acknowledged that and just went, look, it's not really, this is not what the game's about. Because um, it is a game at the end of the day, but again, they, it, they do pride themselves on, on, on realism. And of course, once they put Brexit in, I think that it was kind of, they had to address at least the financial, economic um, logistics in terms of start dates for fixtures and, and seasons and transfer windows. So, so I'm glad that's in. Um, yes, it'll make the game harder in the first couple of seasons because you know, your finances are a bit depleted and, I like to play lower leagues anyway, so you know we never have any money regardless. So it's going to be a, a real, real challenge this year. So I think that's good. Um, I like the look of the new. Um, it seems to be more about an experience and communication. Seems to be really important this year. So team talks, press conferences, interactions all seem to be uh, focused around gestures rather than your um, sort of. Uh, well, what's the word that they had before? So like, you're sort of using your stipulations of like passionate, assertive, calm, cautious. They're all been replaced, and it's now a bit more sort of you know points finger, has arms open wide, throws a bottle, shakes head, and and that sort of stuff, which you know might be gimmicky, but it's been due a bit of an overhaul. Um, so we'll see how how that plays out. Um, but I think the thing that I'm really looking forward to is the is the recruitment meetings. I think that that could again, like from a lower league perspective, sort of go like, look, you know, this is the start of the season. These are the sorts of players that I want to look for and, you know, try and find me those. And I know you can kind of do it a little bit now, but 
if you've got a club culture, a club identity, like then that's the re- that could be a great feature. Um, you know, that, that could really sort of like take the game up another level as well and add another element of realism to it. So, so they're kind of what I'm looking forward to, to be honest. Yeah, I think obviously COVID has brought about unprecedented times and this will be an unprecedented football manager. But I saw an article about that gesturing that you were referring to, uh, kind of like taking over from the tones from before about passionately, cautiously and whatnot, which does sound a bit fun, especially the throwing the water bottle. If Wenger was still on the game, if they would have done like a does up zipper aggressively gesture or something. But uh, otherwise, um, I've got, you know, well, a bunch more, I guess, FM references in this next section and i kind of just want to quickly hear your thoughts on a few names tony so um well actually i guess just before i jump into that quickly um i want to know if i'm not the only one that has this issue so i want to know has there ever been a time when you've forgotten that you're not still playing football manager and then tried to use the football manager commands on some other program on your computer and then been just like surprised when it didn't work i was gonna say for instance i don't know how many times i've been on my internet browser and then tried to like hit the left arrow key to go back rather than clicking on the arrow or even like hitting the space bar and just expecting the internet as a whole to progress through time. Have, has any of that ever happened to you? <laughs> you know what? It has actually, yeah. Yeah, I've pressed the space bar a few times to move things on, but it just right? doesn't work. <laughs> and, I've, and I've never thought about that. Like it, it happened, this is genuinely, it happened like about, it happened a little bit this morning and the last couple of days and I've not thought about it. And I just went, I just, I just think that's football manager. And now you've kind of mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, God knows how long I've been doing that. That must have been I must have been doing that for a long time. I'm glad we're not. I mean, I'm not the only one. It probably sounds like you and I aren't the only ones if, if we're both doing it. So at least, yeah, at least that's good to know. So um moving on to this this next bit, yeah. Each of us are gonna bring up a few names from football manager from down the years that are special to us for uh, one reason or another. I just want to hear your thoughts or memories about these players. So I'm gonna kick things off with arguably my favorite football manager player of all time. And I, th- I think he's quite unknown, so I, I hope you know him. And it's uh, Federico Lorito. And this would have been probably football manager 2009, I reckon, around there. He played for okay. Udinese. And this was... I don't know if they've eliminated this feature from the newer games or if it's actually been a change in real life with Italian club practices. But this was back when it was quite common for players to be co-owned. And you would have to make like one offer to one club and then another uh, offer to the other club and then have both of them accepted and then negotiate. So Federico Lorito was in that situation do you know that name not a name that's on my radar to be honest but but you yeah that whole co-ownership was definitely like a troublesome time when you sort of be like oh you know you, you have to negotiate with you know, Udinese and then Fiorentina or the other half of it but, um, but yeah like I mean the, the the version that you're talking about there was a load of like really great talent in Italy at the time, so so, uh, but not he's not. I think I'm like, what what was, what was he like position wise? What, what was his what was his background? He was a forward, and he would have been, I believe, at the time around 18 from Argentina. I uh, mm. don't remember if it was like Racing Club or something like that that would have been in his youth career or something like um, whichever one that one that plays in or something. Or... Yeah, but he, I signed him for QPR. Joe would remember this because Joe probably was coming around my house when I was playing this save, and Federico Lorito was an absolute goal machine but moving on from him real quick i've got another one and this guy's brother actually ended up becoming like a decent player and he played in the premiership for city but this would have been the less fancied brother although on football manager he was an absolute gem and it's franco zuccolini who would have been playing for racing club in argentina for sure on 09 does franco zuccolini mean anything to you 
the the name is is something that I would I would have seen, but I don't think I've ever signed him to. Who's who's his brother as well? Bruno Zuccolini played for City and I think Espanol possibly. Um, oh, okay, brilliant. Yeah. But he was uh, actually like on Football Manager, the much less fancied one, but I guess ended up being decent. Yeah. Franco on Football Manager was a god. And then I've just got for me personally before I pass it off to Joe and Billy, I've got three names here so i'll just let you speak about whichever one you want to speak about because I'm, sh- I'm sure that one of these is going to at least ring a bell uh, and how great they were on football manager and that's juan manuel vargas the fiorentina oh, yeah. left back or left yeah. wing and then uh wagner love when he was at csk moscow or oscar cardozo when he would have been at benfica uh oh. all of those players i absolutely i definitely had all three of them in in my team um on football manager 09 but yeah if you want to tell me about any of those guys or any memories like that is that's a yeah. If you're picking out three, you you've gone yeah you've gone pretty hard there. Haven't you? That's that's three great ones. Vargas was was exceptional as you say. Fiorentina um, probably what, what midfield left was he? Yeah, he could play back, wing um, back, left back, left mid. Yeah, you could even you could probably sort of play him as like what would essentially be like an inside forward if if it was on the new game. You could yeah. play him right over the top. Um, and yeah, he he was really really strong, really strong. Um, Cardozo was just an absolute goal machine, like uh, just a monster um, when he was playing for Benfica. Um, was that the same time? Would, would that have been the same save where um, you could get uh, Cardozo and you could get like Saviola or Pablo Aymar or something like they were all? Saviola was, I think, a prominent figure on that game for sure. Um, Vagalov was just was phenomenally good on on the game phenomenally good for relatively small amount of money as well um and yeah just like uh, yeah exceptional exceptional yeah those two up front was my dream duo um but i'll let one of these other guys um throw some names out yeah no i've got three um i've got from fm05 um dean ashton back when he was at crew alexandra and i swear if you bought him for basically anybody, he'd become like the best striker on the game. So that was fun times with Dean back in 05. And then on FM 2011, which I think was my favourite one I played, um, there's the the German winger Peter Trakowski, who I had on a Newcastle save where he became a bit of a hero at St James's Park. Um, and then finally, um, on FM 2016, at another St James's Park, Exeter City, I got a guy called Admiral Musquay on loan from Leicester City, who just banged in the goals for fun in League Two. I don't think his career since then has like gone on to do much. I saw just before we started recording that he had a, a brief loan spell at Swindon, but not much else to shout about. But yeah, those are those are three names from my football manager past that I have a, a lot of time for. I like I like the name Admiral. That's I know that's part why, partly why I got him on loan as well. I think I was like, this guy's got something about him. He's called Admiral. Um, yeah, yeah, he's totally. a leader. <laughs> no, he scored like, a lot of goals in League Two. Loved it. Brilliant. I, 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 um, like uh, Tchaikovsky? Tchaikovsky, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, I, think I'm, I had him at one point as well. Again, very, very good. There was uh, another German midfielder, Darren Shooters, on the same game. Daniel Birofka. You'd get him from Leverkusen, I think he was about 300 grand, but like he was just he put bombs in every single week. Like, just his assists you could get were phenomenal. Like, he'd end up with like 25 assists easy. Um, so, so if you had like Tchaikovsky and, and then Barofka, them two would have been an, an, a, a brilliant uh left and right winger. 
uh, combo. And then, I mean, Dean Ashton, yeah, like, what a guy. What a guy that fellow was. Um, just, yeah, he, he had everything. He genuinely had everything. And uh, like a, a great player in real life as well. Like, you yeah, know, the shame of the injury. Yeah. yeah, a bit of injury, but yeah, he was he was something else. He was something else. I used to always um, I, I talk about the show, and it's a fairly cheap joke, but I used to always try and buy him and uh, David Veer. So I had Ashton Veer up front. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I like that. It's <laughs> a good strike force. Yeah, it's a shame that we didn't really get to see Rooney and Ashton tearing it up for England for probably the best part of a decade if they if Ashton had stayed fit. But uh, oh well. Some some of my players, they're all from some of the older versions, and I think that's just because you know with with time, you know, memory grows fonder as time goes by. So I've, the memories that I have of players like uh, Freddie Guarín, like I mentioned earlier, or <laughs> Fernando Cavanaghi, the Argentine yeah. striker. Yes, <laughs> he did a fantastic job for my uh, my Sunderland team. But then there's a couple of other weird names that. Um, Spring to mind, like I remember, I think maybe we could manage 2006, seven, something like that, where you could sign like young players as much as who were about 14. Um, and there was Nicholas Milan, a Chilean player, yes. And you and I signed him, and you I'd sign him, and he was like 14 or 15 because he had good stats, but I'd never played the game long enough for him to actually get good. <laughs> but I still would sign him no matter who I was, straight yeah. in there. I think he was at like, wasn't he at like Colo Colo or yeah, something? Colo Colo in Peru or Chile. Yeah, I remember him. He he was very good actually. He was very good. Uh, but you're right. You did have to wait about like five seasons or something for him because I think he was one of those guys. Would that have been around about the time where you where they just started bringing the work permits in, so you'd have to get a feeder club to send him off as well. So you couldn't he couldn't move before his like 16th or 17th birthday anyway. And then you've got to send him off to Belgium or Romania because you get the work permit in two years. So he'd, he'd be this Paraguayan with a Romanian dual nationality. Come back. <laughs> um, and then you start going, I forgot how we even had him. And then he turns up and he's like this absolute Adama Traore fella. <laughs> like, oh, turns up. I think we missed him Adama good. Traore for the wrestlers. He would have been a decent pick. Oh, yeah, he would have been great, actually. Yeah, that would have been decent. I've got, I've got to give a, a shout out as well to uh, someone who, a one game wonder, as in one save game wonder. I, one of my best football manager game was also with uh, Blythe Spartans. I took them from Conference North, but we only won the uh, UEFA Cup as it was then. We never won the Champions League. We won the UEFA Cup. Still, still then, a wonderful, wonderful achievement, man. Be proud I, of that. Oh, yeah. I still, I still think of it fondly. Um, and I, was, I have a soft spot for Blythe Spartans and actually my cousin used to play for South Shields mm-hmm. and uh, and non-league and one of the players Wayne Phillips used to play with him and I met Wayne and I was and I was in a weird way kind of starstruck because I was thinking about all the crosses he put in put in for me years ago <laughs> when he was playing at Blythe Spartans but I actually I actually signed a player called Ricardinho for Blythe Spartans and I and he was a Brazilian with for some reason Belgian nationality and I signed him in about the conference north and then even when we got to the Premier League I still had him even though he was like 39 he wasn't getting a game but I just couldn't let go of him I was like you're going to stay at the club for as long as as long as I'm here you will be here and he was a club legend everyone loved him but then he was called Ricardinho and then whenever I started other games I'd always look for him and I could never find him 
but I signed him right at the start, so I was convinced he must have been real rather than a reject. But every other save game, I could never, never find him. But what a man that man was for my club. That, that's beautiful, man. I love that. I genuinely love that. Like, and, you, and you're right. Like when you're saying there about about being starstruck with like with with, with the guys in, in real life. Like, so we did. So we did um, as part of the uh, football manager alternate reality documentary. So there's sort of bits of, of a show that I've done there that's that's recorded at Blythe Spartans. So I'm obviously on the pitch doing some bits and pieces, um, walking around. Then we do some stand-up. We actually do it in the clubhouse. Um, and I met the owner and some of the players. And uh, Robbie, Robbie Dale was there. And again, I was sort of like going, oh, hello, Mr. Dale. It's best to meet you. And like dropping me cap sort of thing. And, uh, and yeah, it's just properly mental. Just like these are... These they were they were my guys and and yeah just sitting them going like people you might meet in stand up who some people would look at and go oh, you've met them and you're yeah but I've met Robbie Dale as well so that's just as important. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can get Ricardinho. Well, hopefully we can track him down and he's doing well these days. But also hopefully maybe we can get him on the podcast. Who knows? Oh, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Like get you know get get him on the centre circle uh, up at Croft Park. We'll 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 get we'll get a shirt on him. That'd be brilliant. We can do that. We do have one more game to play, and as we're coming towards the end of today's episode, it's time for the penalty shootout. I've essentially written 10 dad jokes, with the punchlines all being footballers' names. Let's just get into it, and things will be clear soon, if they aren't already. The first right answer gets points, so whoever shouts it out first gets the points. All right, so this is the first one. And again, all of these answers, or I might have you be filling in blanks, they're all going to be footballers' names. So, which Premier League footballer's name is good advice if you're thirsty? Danny Drinkwater. Well in. So, that's one point to Tony. And moving on to number two. This is going to be filling in the blank. If you put a certain goal-scoring legend from the international scene under a microscope, you might notice some things upon blank inspection. So, let me see if I can give you some clues. He's, he's like the top scorer for his country. And again, this is a pun. So, if you put this guy under a microscope, you might notice some things upon blank inspection. Johnny Bacteria? <laughs> Almost. I remember him. But uh, let's go for... Johnny uh, Dirtwater. A lot of goals at World Cups. Closer. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, if you put this German all-time scorer under a microscope, you might notice some things upon closer inspection. Nice. nice. All right. Billy won. If you put this player's last name after the word what, it would be the equivalent of asking if there's anything wrong. So. <laughs> I mean, that you know, that's the, the vibe we're going for, but I'll say that he joined the Premier League in January of last season, and he actually made a bit of an impact. Oh, um, Samatha. Samatha. Yeah, what's Samatha? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's one all. It's one all between the three of you right now. <laughs> Number four. Oh, this one's silly. All right, you ready? <laughs> Kids and grown-ups love it so. The happy world of... Terrible West. 
yeah, you got in there. I was going to say which infamous Nigerian footballer. Obviously, Terry Bow. <laughs> so that's two for Tony. Well done. Um, on to five. We already mentioned drinking water, but if you drank this striker, it would be good for your bones. Doesn't play in the Premier League. Does play in the Champions League. Arthur Millick. Well in. Millick. 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 Arcadius Millick. All right, number six. <laughs> Which defender named after a shrub could actually have benefited from being a bit thornier during their playing career? Oh. Played in the Premier League and for a bunch of teams. Played for a couple of direct rivals. Um, played for a team that Billy supports, which is Sunderland. Danny Rose? Not Danny Rose, although the Rose, that's a good one. Um, he was crap. <laughs> he just... Oh, just Bramble. Yeah, there you go. Oh. <laughs> Bramble would be the... the... Um, the shrub. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this one. As well. no, no, yeah, yeah, now after I've called him crap, yeah. And <laughs> after a shrub, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Here's another fill in the blank, lads. And this one, kind of like that Taribo one, is going to rhyme. So, roses are red, violets are blue. I've played in both colors, and my name's blank. Archie. No. I'll say, like I said, he's played in red and he's played in blue, this fella. Roses are red, violets are blue. I've played in both colours, and my name's blank. Uh, Everton, Middlesbrough would Yakubu. be... Yep, Yakubu. All right. Was that Joe? Yeah. Was... Going into number eight. <laughs> All right, again, I'm filling in the blank with a footballer's last name. And this guy's retired, so that'll be a clue. If you married your wife at a McDonald's on the day of uh, the wedding, you could call her your blank. McDrive through. What was that? McDrive through. I don't know. Drive through. You've like yeah. come close to answering it, and then and then not so close afterwards. Um, uh, like I said, retired. McBride. Well in Billy. Yeah, exactly. Call her your Brian McBride. Your McBride. So yeah, if you married your wife at McDonald's, you could probably call her your McBride. This one's... <laughs> I was running out of puns. I was like, I need two more. So I guess I came up with this one. Let's see. Fill in the blank. Again, footballer's name. <laughs> see if I can make it through this one. When Shrek gets aroused, you might say he has blank. <laughs> what? He's a topical footballer, like semi recently. He was in the news for not good reasons. Nothing terrible, but. Oh, Mason Greenwood. Yeah, well into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that Shrek had Greenwood, I guess. Um, <laughs> and now it's tied up. So three for Tony, three for Billy, two for Joe. If Joe can get this last one, then I must have skipped one because that wouldn't make sense. But. Um, recorded the points wrong. Might have to go back through the uh, the archives and tell everyone who won at the very end. But let's just do this tenth one anyway. Um, this Premier League player's last name could be used to describe a specific Premier League team playing well. For instance, you might hear it phrased out like this: "Like it's been blank this half." So, 
within his name is the name of another Premier League team, essentially, and another word, I guess. So it's been blank this half. He's won the Premier League, this player. He has also been relegated from the Premier League too, I think. Possibly. If he was relegated, it would have been with Villa. And if he would have won the league, which he did, it was with Leicester. Oh, Mark Albrighton. Yes, it's been Albrighton this half. So, yeah. <laughs> Tony uh... trumps it. Not sure if I did all of them, but however it adds up, Tony's got four, Billy's got three, Joe's got two, which adds up to nine. And I did ten questions, but Tony still wins, I guess. <laughs> We all win. We all win. Let's just share the points. Yeah. I like that. Football's the winner, as Jimmy Bullard would say. Great. Well, um, that brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you to my co-host, Kai, and to our regular guest, Billy, as well. And, of course, a massive thanks to Tony Jameson as well. Tony, I hope you've had a, a good time chatting about Football Manager with us. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I say, a nice, nice little trip down memory lane and then some... Uh... So some world-class players to chat about and then some names that I, I've, I've never come across. So, so yeah, it's ni nice to learn about everyone's saves. That's the, uh, that's the important thing, isn't it? You're always learning something new in the world of Football Manager. But, um, Tony, how can our listeners keep up to date with you and everything you've got going on? Uh, so I suppose the easiest place to, to find anything out is on Twitter, which is at Tony Jameson. Uh, we've got the Football Manager Therapy podcast, which is available on all of your podcast platforms. Uh, YouTube is Tony Jameson FM, so we're doing some content creation there, particularly working up to FM 21, where there's going to be a new journeyman save that's going to run through the entire career uh, this year from the start of FM 21 up until FM 22. Uh, and then on the off chance the comedy circuit comes back, um, then you can check out my website, which is tonyjameson.co.uk. Uh, there might be some gigs at the minute. It's, it's very blank on there, so I'll just leave it as it is. Yeah, no, here's hoping that comes back sooner rather than later. But there you have it. That's how you can follow Tony. Of course, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow us at BlazersFGPod and also on Facebook at Blazers for Goalposts. That's all from us for this week. Goodbye. <laughs>